0: Our next storyteller is not a first-timer he's been here from the beginning so a big warm welcome for Padraig Gautuma <clears throat> the first time I went to my mother's prayer group was the only time I went to my mother's prayer group I was home in our village in Cork and my mother was asking me what I was up to on a Wednesday night now my mother rarely asks a question directly Really, what she does is she starts considering a question about five minutes before she sees you. So by the time you come into the room, she's pretty much at the end of the inquiry. And on this particular evening, she was up to form. Anyway, are you interested? Interested in what, Mum? Coming along, for God's sake. Coming along where? Weren't you listening? To what? Never mind. If you told me what you were asking me, I might be able to answer. Well, you wouldn't be interested. By this stage, I, who had left home the minute I turned 18, was beginning to feel guilty, so I was pretty much amenable to being uh, manipulated. So, go on, I said, I might be interested. My rosary group are meeting tonight. Oh, God. (laughs) So that's what saw me in a car with my mother on a Wednesday night, driving along a 50 mile an hour road at her preferred rate of 25 miles an hour, just enough, enough to push second gear into a soft whining sound. So we got to the prayer group. It was around May time, the month of Mary. There was a fireplace in the room, and there was a fire in it, lit. And there was an electric fire in the room too, also plugged in, just in case there was a gas fire on, but it only had one bar lit, thank God. So we were there, drinking tea. I was a third of the age of everybody in the room, and they were all delighted at Anne's capacity to bring in a young fella. And you wanted to come along to the rosary group tonight, did you? Yes, I lied, it was easier. The rosary began, except the rosary didn't begin. The pre-rosary began. This is not at all like foreplay. This is much like taking an inventory before a long picnic. They discussed the needs to be covered in the prayers. They discussed whether the divine mercy was the best thing to do, seeing as it was a Wednesday, Somebody asked whether, even though it was a Wednesday, we couldn't still pray the Sorrowful Mysteries of the Rosaries because the Sorrowful Mysteries were their favorite mysteries. And then they returned to the needs of the people to be prayed for. They discussed who'd died. Then they discussed who'd known who had died. Ah, you know her, the one with the hair that's a bit thin, sits at the back of mass the one with the hair that was a bit thin, that's the one, 9AMS, the very one. What about her? She died. <gasps> God love her. We should include her soul in our prayers. She was very holy. God, she was. Mass every day, sad story, God love her, and on and on and on. <laughs> then they asked about me, where are you now, living in the big city? Oh, yes, Cork City, God almighty, can you imagine? No, actually, Dublin City, I was saying, <gasps> Dublin City. They said it like I was living in downtown Manhattan instead of a grotty house in Drumcondra with bad water and ineffective heating. Imagine a boy like you from your village in Dublin City. (laughs) Eventually, the rosary began. I was actually relieved when it began. Five long decades to go, and we were indeed launching into the prayers proper. It was a hot rosary. It was a mixture between Bikram yoga, a seance, and a stationary workout. Needless to say, my mother fell asleep between the third and the fourth mysteries of the rosary. I looked across the haze of the room, and mum was happily snoozing and snoring in the corner. And this is when it happened. As my mother was sleeping, one of the women, right in the midst of the rosary, suddenly announced, St. Joseph is here! So it definitely was like a seance. Everybody stopped. Nobody except me seemed surprised. She hadn't pointed exactly to where St. Joseph was, but apparently everybody was supposed to know. So we looked at her. She was perfectly content to be the center of attention. I wondered what we should do, and she continued, St. Joseph is here, and then she looked at me, and she said, and he's here for you. Now, by this stage, my mother had woken up, and she wasn't in the least bit surprised to find that St. Joseph had joined us. Apparently, it was a regular haunt of his on a Wednesday evening in Cork. St. Joseph is here, and he's here for you, and he's here for you because you have a gift, she said, looking at me. Now, this was all getting a little bit much, but truth to be told, I was a little bit excited. (laughs) He's here for you because you have a gift. The gift that you have is the reason he's here. The gift that you have is to be kind. Now, I was really disappointed, honestly. (laughs) I wanted to say the following. Look, for God's sake, you've just told me that I've got a gift, and I've been excited, and now you've told me that St. Joseph himself, the adopted father of Jesus, had been sent like a dignitary from the divine down to your overcrowded, overheated prayer meeting, in which I'm only in attendance because of my mother's Olympic capacities to manipulate me. Furthermore, St. Joseph himself, a man of few words, has finally been given something to say, as if he's announcing something to me about a gift, and I'm excited because I've been reading Lord of the Rings and all those other books, and it's only the shy, quiet ones like me who have the great task, and even though most heroes in books are orphans, I can arrange that here and now (laughs) to be an orphan. So in the name of all that is good, holy, and dramatic, give St. Joseph something interesting to talk about. That's what I wanted to say, but I didn't. I said, oh, right, I'm supposed to be kind. Thanks very much. There was nothing else to say. It downplayed every dramatic turn in me, but I suppose it was a lovely reminder about what really matters. Anyway, we resumed the rosary, and when it was over, there was weak tea and strong scones. And there was more discussion about who was dead and who was dying and who was sick and who was sad and went to meet up for a cup of tea. As we were heading home, I said to mum that it was interesting that St. Joseph had turned up out of his historical obscurity to pay a visit and pass on a small piece of advice to me. Oh, Eileen, have a great gift of discerning the saints, mum said. Is that what you call it? I said. What do you mean? She asked. I changed tack. This wasn't going well. Did you have a nice sleep, I asked, somewhere around the third mystery of the Sorrowful Mysteries. (laughs) That wasn't a sleep at all, Podrick, she said. That's a holy sleep. It's the kind that comes over you when you're in prayer and you fall asleep and when you wake up you feel very refreshed. (laughs) That's called a snooze, Mum. It's not, she said, slowing the car down dramatically. We drove home the rest of the way in silence her after her holy sleep, and me desperate to get back to the city after my first and final time at her prayer group. Padraig's per Muller. She has been traduced at 10 by nine since 2011. God love her. She's a very nice woman. So please, big warm welcome for Padraig. In many ways, our house was a very typical Irish house in the 1980s. Lots of children, nightly rosary in Irish. You could only say certain words provided they were whispered. Pregnant. Protestant. Expensive. Like many Irish families, there were countless Sunday nights watching Row. There was lumpy porridge. Sunday afternoons visiting relatives, 60 or 70 first cousins, visits from the parish priest, evoking a house-cleansing frenzy, the like of which no European health and safety standard even flirts with. And most importantly, and in a way that combines thousands and thousands and thousands of Irish people together, we had a deeply dysfunctional relationship with the immersion Now, for those of you who are lucky enough not to know what the immersion is, the immersion is basically a tank of water, a huge kettle, if you like. You flicked a switch to turn on the immersion, and 15 minutes later, you could have a shower that was vaguely not as cold as the shower would have been 15 minutes before. That is, of course, if you had a shower. We didn't. I asked when I was 10 if we could have a shower. A shower! A shower? You might think I'd asked if, you know, we could have started practicing birth control in the house or something. Where do you think that kind of thing comes from? As it happens, we actually had a shower, but it had never been used or rigged up. It was in a storage space for boxes and towels and blankets and jumpers waiting to be ripped up to be turned into more blankets. Say what you like about cold Irish houses in the 1980s, but we had a fierce amount of blankets. We needed them. The immersion had two settings. You could switch it on to shower and it heated a small amount of water or you could switch it to bath setting which meant that the whole big copper kettle of water was heated up. This happened once a week, Sunday night. The immersion was switched on. It was left on for a strict hour. Then it was switched off and then the bath would be filled. First, my mother took a bath and then my older sister, Anya, took her bath in the same water and then my older brother, Sean, Took his bath, same water, followed by me. By this stage, the younger three were too small to warrant a bath, so they were sat in the kitchen sink a few times a week, and the kitchen sink that had electricity sockets right next to it, so it would be handy to plug into the washing machine. My brother once whispered to me that if you were really, really quiet, you could switch the immersion back on, and then leave the water run very, very quietly and warm up a third or fourth hand bathwater. The bathroom fixtures in our house, toilet, sink and baths, wherein we had our family baths had been purchased when we moved into the house. Money was tight, very, very tight. My folks made do with very little. They bought what we could afford. They could afford a bathroom suite in a rich, deep chocolate brown. Why is your toilet the, t- the colour of a good shit? My friend used to say. The bathwater that I inherited on a weekly basis was a grey kind of colour, grey slimy water with skin cells floating around the top of it. No bubble bath. If you were very very clever, you could sneak sneak a small amount of fairy liquid in your cupped hand in from the kitchen and throw a bit of that into the water, splash it around a bit, and pretend that you were in the lap of luxury. If the heating was ever turned on, and that was a rarity, you didn't have to turn on the immersion because the heating system was already linked to the immersion. The heating system was linked to the open fire. The only way you could turn on the heating was to light the fire. Then, after an hour, the pumps would be warm enough so that you could turn on a pump, and the pump would distribute hot water around the heaters of the house. When the fire was lit, our house was gorgeously warm, maybe once a month but the fire was lit reasonably rarely and only with family negotiations as to whether it was cool enough. My older sister, Anya, used to sneak the hairdryer into her bedroom so that she could turn it on her blue fingers as she was studying. I sometimes took my homework into bed with me so that at least parts of my body would be warm. There was one room in the house that had an electric heater and this was the warm room where we'd gather every Sunday night together, eight of us, with the heater on. Row, followed by the 9 o'clock news and the warm sounds of my dad's flatulence and the smelly dog. We rarely had guests. We used to go to a long prayer meeting every Sunday, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. of charismatic songs from the 1970s and we'd already been to Mass and then followed by a long visit to my grandmother's house. Sundays were not days of rest. I remember once, though, that after the prayer meeting we sped home faster than my father has ever driven, skipping the weekly visit to his mother's house because the dreaded question had been asked at some point during their prayer meeting. Did somebody turn off the immersion? (laughs) Nobody could remember. We were driven at high speeds through Cork City, into Douglas, into the countryside, to our house to find if the offending item had indeed been switched off. It hadn't. We were under new rations. Nobody was allowed to switch on the immersion without strict permission. By this stage, we did have a working shower, and I remember at the age of 15 going to my dad. Dad, can I have a shower? When did you last have one? Four days ago. And you want another one now? (laughs) Yes, dad. Have you been sweating or something? (laughs) I was 15. I'd been doing a lot more than sweating, regularly. To add to that, I even had a few Protestant friends, Protestants who talked to me about the rapture. But I knew that this wasn't the time to embark upon such a confessional conversation. Yes, Dad, I have been sweating. Okay, leave the immersion on for 10 minutes, turn it off, and then have your shower. My friend Alex told me once that he loved the oncoming of winter because his dad would get up at 6.30am, turn on the heating so that by the time everybody else got up at 7.30am, their house was nice and toasty every single morning. I remember looking at Alex as if he came from another planet or from a television program. Or from America, a place where such kind of things happened. Your father turns on the heating so that the house is warm for you all. Yes, he said, but it's really cold for poor dad when he gets up in the morning, so he has an extra thick dressing gown. A dressing gown? This felt like an Enid Blyton book. My dad's own nighttime attire, or fashion de nuit, as we used to call it, went as far as, and no further than, a T-shirt, irregularly washed. The idea of my dad getting up early to lay and light the fire and then turn on the heating was bewildering, bearing in mind that my father has never said the words dressing gown and the image of him in his T-shirt and only his T-shirt led me to seek out psychotherapy (laughs) means that this was a different planet. Once all six children had moved out of our house, my parents did what most Irish parents did, they stocked the thing, the house with all the kind of things that would have made our lives easier had they done it earlier. Now, once we were all away from home, the home became a home away from home. They bought a dishwasher, rarely used, an electric shower, also rarely used, a central heating system that comes on with the flick of a switch. It's grand and handy, my mother said to me. No more lighting the fire, just turn on the switch and it's lovely and warm, toasty in seconds. And the shower, Joseph, tonight, it's amazing. Pull the switch and the shower's warm just like that. This information is lovely. But if you know my family, you would know that a supplementary question was needed. And so now that you have a shower and central heating, do you use it much? God almighty, no. Desperate expensive, she said. I go down to the swimming pool for my showers and your dad doesn't have one very often.